This is the Coast and Country podcast from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country with Helen Mark. I've come to Barrowford Locks in Lancashire and the whole gate system here, the black and white gates, they have all been fenced off and in some cases you have these metal barriers there to stop people gaining access to them because actually it's quite a long drop down to the bottom and lots of mud there so it is quite dangerous and I've come here because I've been invited to meet Harry and Elaine Bartholomew and they have a narrow boat on the loch here called the Terrapin so just cross this little footbridge down the side of the loch and then and here is the Terrapin beautiful green and grey and red and yellow very handsome but it's not just a boat is it Harry? No it's our home at the moment. For this week's open country I'm visiting the Leeds and Liverpool Canal. Now this is a spectacular feat of engineering it's 127 miles in length and goes right across the Pennines but recently a decision was taken to close almost half of what is the longest canal in Northern England. So for this week's Open Country, I've come to find out why that had to happen and to meet some of the people whose daily lives revolve around this stretch of water. How long have you been living on the waterways? Actually, living on the waterways now, just short of eight years. We decided that we wanted to do something just that little bit different. So we bought a shell, we fitted it out and we just pointed the boat south eventually and just set off. So here you are at Barrowford, and on one side of the lock gates, the one that is closed here, we have lots of water. On the other side, a dry ditch. And you've been here for how long? We've been here since uh, about mid-June when we got back from the Langothan Canal. We were supposed to have been probably now down the other side of Skipton, but we had to stay here, unfortunately, until the locks were actually closed and so we couldn't get down there. So the only thing we can do now is just hope that we can enjoy the weather. When it's sunny, we enjoy it. When it rains, it's whether it puts enough water down to actually fill the reservoirs up. Can I come and sit beside you? Because you've set some chairs and benches and almost like a little patio up at the side <laughs> of your boat. I mean, that's a sign of how long you have been here and... You know how long you're going to have to stay. Hour, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll come and sit beside you, Elaine. And uh, it's lovely in sunshine, isn't it? Oh, it's, yeah, it's peaceful. But you could think of it positively like that. But also, you are, you know, to speak negatively, stuck here. Yeah, we're stuck here. I mean, that's not really the idea of living on a boat, is it? But uh, it's just the way it is. I mean, they've had to close the locks off they wouldn't do it if they didn't have to you just have to like go with it so to speak really luckily where we are here just across the the water for us to fill our tank up so it could be a lot worse but it's barricaded i know alcatraz i call it <laughs> it doesn't look pretty does it oh it does but not they have to barricade that otherwise our water would run, just run out we'd end up on ground i mean that is to stop this water moving if this water moved down, then it would all just go away. We'd be like them pounds are down there, all dry and muddy. That's what we'd be like, so obviously it's no good. I know it's a really long pound because it goes right through the tunnel, but it would slowly go down, 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 and you'd be surprised how quick that could happen. You see, you, you say you love the waterways because of the freedom. You can just, you know, take your boat and go. You've done thousands of miles on the water, and this contravenes everything 
that you've done up to this point. You are stuck here. You might as well live on dry land. It feels but, a bit that way, to be fair. Yeah, it does feel a bit that way. But, I mean, like I say, it's just a situation. As It's not anything we can do anything about, no, is it? So. If, if the rain doesn't come and you haven't got the water, then obviously you have to do something. I suppose with hindsight, they could have said, well, we'll put restrictions on earlier. But no one was to know that the lack of rain would continue. So they've put the restrictions on and has kept them on as long as they could and kept the locks open as long as they could, but they just haven't got the water. Hasn't put you off? No. It's our home, like I say, I mean, you've, you've been on board, yeah, so... It's lovely inside. Yeah, you couldn't just yeah. say, no, let's just give it a walk away. You couldn't do that. This field's about 40 acres, and as you can see from wilderness state of it, we can't graze it with livestock or mow it because of leaks from Leeds Liverpool Canal, which just runs above us. We've mowed all the meadows there, the black bales that you can see, and we've got an awful lot of grass here, but we just can't access it. You know, we cannot get stock onto it. As you'll see. Why? Because it's so wet. (laughs) We've had a drought, but uh, we have plenty of water in this field, you know, all stemming from the canal. I'm with Tim and Sheila Pilling and I'm on their farm at East Martin and the water that you're talking about, you're convinced it comes from the canal? Absolutely. it does do. This 40-acre field, it'll have about 20 leaks into it. So you have 40 acres of what would be farmland, would it? It's Mm not... It'd be like that. Yeah, it'd be like that. Right, which is the beautifully pasture, grazed grass on that, that hillside. Right. But this becomes sodden with water. It will do in a minute when we get a yes, bit further on. So even in times of yeah, the, drought, the drought, it's still the water's yes. still there. Okay. We've tried grazing uh, cattle in here and they've got stuck and we've had to pull them out with a tractor. They've got that stuck, you know, they die. It's just that bad. You have lost livestock because livestock of the soggy ground here. They're starting to get wet. It is. Very boggy. No, and quite that's, suddenly. That's not a bad leak. And it's not just a natural pool of water. No. That's the canal. The canal is there. You can actually see the rivers running down. And you can see rushes and things growing. In patches. That just runs directly up to the canal. How long has this been happening? There's a big leak further on, and that's been documented for eight years. And nothing's been done about it. What happened when you approached British Waterways about it? We just seem to get fobbed off all the time with them. They say they can't afford to fix them, or they're on the list to be fixed, but nothing ever happens. It is a big job to stop a leak in a canal when you think that this is the amount of water that's coming down from the canal. So maybe they just don't have the money to fix it. Is that my problem? Mm-hmm. You know, I should be compensated or the leak should be fixed. Mm-hmm. But I get neither. So what brought us here was the idea that part of the canal, a significant part of this canal, has been closed because there wasn't enough water. And we hear that the story is that there's not enough water in the reservoirs to safely feed the canal system. But what you're saying is, here's an example of where a great deal of water is being lost from the canal because of leakage. There has been a drought, there's no question of that, but as you can see from the state of this land, if that water was held in the canal instead of pouring out like it does, the canal should still be open. Mm. You just wonder at some point if this is going to breach. (coughs) Well, maybe, yeah. You really do. No, then what? (laughs) Then they might fix it. (laughs) Well, here we are at Barrowford Locks, and this is Barrowford Reservoir just at the side of us here. It's one of seven reservoirs that feeds the Leeds and Liverpool Canal. And you can see it's not got much water in it. 
So great sides of the, the stonework, bone dry. Yep. Well, there's vegetation growing all the way around and what looks like just like a puddle of water at the bottom. So you can see instantly the situation here in that this reflects the drought. Absolutely. There's okay. probably about 10% of the normal capacity in this reservoir here. Well, I'm with Vince Moran and you're Operations Director with British Waterways. I am. And if we go back down this flight of steps from the edge of the reservoir and down to the sides of the canal... And take me through, if you would, Vince, why it was decided to close the... It's about 60 miles or so off the canal. Here at Barrowford, we're almost at the summit of the canal. The Lees Liverpool Canal flows down one side of the hill to Leeds and the other side of the hill to Liverpool. The summit is fed by the seven reservoirs. So because those reservoirs are down to about 10% of their capacity the 60 mile stretch of the sort of middle bit if you like it's about 130 miles altogether it's the middle bit that we've had to sort of uh, close to boating and that's because you know there's just not enough water to keep that big section of the canal in enough water and with a supply of water to allow boats to move up and down what does it need to get up to before you can start restoring water to this 60 mile section it needs to get up to about 20 percent how long has it been like this we closed this section to boating on the 2nd of August. When did you first realise there was going to be a problem with the water in the canal? We started to get concerned in early May. So we locked the locks at about 4 o'clock at night and didn't open them until 9 o'clock in the morning. Talked to all the hire boat operators and other boaters to explain to them what we were doing and why we were doing that. And we hoped that that would have been enough. The reaction from people has been quite strong. People were, you know very concerned that the canal had been closed it spoiled holidays, people live on the water, businesses along the sides of the water had no customers shops, cafes, pubs you know, well I mean obviously you didn't take the decision lightly but it had a huge effect on the the communities that depend upon this channel of water Yeah, and we understand that and clearly we're sorry for that and if we'd been able to do anything else other than close it, we would have done in terms of the hire boaters and and holiday boaters and, and general boaters because we were starting to talk to them as early as May and because we were then starting to see it wasn't improving we were able to work with the hire boat operators to, to sort of be able to move their holiday makers to other parts of the canal because don't you know don't forget this is only three percent of british waterways canal network yeah but it's half of the leeds liverpool it is half of the Leeds, but it's part of a two thousand mile network does it give you a good chance to plug a few gaps well, well it does actually and we're doing that now we've you know it's a i, I don't want to call it an opportunity because that might sound inappropriate but it, it in a way it is because we do the majority of our major maintenance in the winter and go in and replace lock gates and do other sort of major construction repairs. So because we've had this situation, if you like, forced on us, we've brought some of those lock gate uh, changes forward and we're now looking at situations where if we've got the opportunity to sort of look at some of the leaks that there are in various places, we will be assessing whether we can uh, uh, do something now rather than uh, in the longer term. Now, for people who have to live with the leaks of the water coming onto their land, they feel that if the canal was better maintained, you wouldn't lose so much water and it would not have had to be closed and that closure have such a big effect on businesses and you know, people's lives, really. Well, it's a national treasure, this. You know, it's a 200-year-old old lady that we're having to look after and sort of nurse her through difficult times. Frankly, we just don't have enough money to do it justice 
And so all the time, our people, our engineers, our managers are making decisions on what's a priority because we cannot do everything. In terms of farmers who, you know, have got fields at the side of the canal where there may be some leaks, you know, we're in regular dialogue with those farmers and, uh, you know, if we've been negligent in any way and we've, we've damaged their land, then there's a process for them to use and they do and we talk to them and agents are involved and, you know, the canal system's 200 year old. It's a man-made structure. It probably leaked from day one. It's a fact that if this canal was in absolutely perfect working order, you know, all the lock gates were, were pristine and all the walls were in fantastic condition. It may have stayed open for about a week or two longer than it did. But the fundamental issue is there's just not been enough rain to keep the reservoirs charged. Where I am now, really, is almost in the heart of Skipton and this waterway runs right through the middle of the place. Yeah. And I'm standing alongside the boat known as the Kennet. Yeah. And it's huge, and it puts the other narrow boats. <laughs> you know, they all well, seem so tiny. Well, they're small. Ours is the right size. <laughs> and Mike Clark, you're with the Leeds and Liverpool Canal yeah. Society. I mean, the canals that cross the country, they have great histories behind them, so I'd like to find out about this particular canal and why it was built. The reason for building it was limestone. That was the, the main cargo that they were envisaging at that time. So they needed somewhere to carry this limestone along and they decided to build a canal. When was that? In 1766, a chap called John Stanhope from Bradford paid for the first survey of the canal. And in 1768, they got people together, advertised in the papers, and in 1770, they got the Act of Parliament, which allowed them to build the canal. And buildings then started straight away, did it? It started off, it was Bradford merchants, not Leeds merchants, who wanted the canal. Leeds already had the air and colder navigation, and so they were quite happy. It was the, the new sort of rising entrepreneurs in Bradford who wanted to... A, get limestone, and B, a link into the sort of new colonial trades. And that's why they wanted to go across to Lancashire. You've got two groups of merchants, one Lancashire, one Yorkshire. Mm. Yorkshire, they wanted particularly limestone. In Lancashire, they wanted coal. And they sort of fell out over the route. They decided what they would do, they were going to build to the Yorkshire route... But to please the Liverpool people, they would build from both ends at once. So when were the last goods taken along the canal? The last sort of regular traffic was in the 1960s. That's coming over the summit. There were a few enthusiasts trying to keep the, the traffic going until the 1980s. But really the, the main economic use stopped in the 1960s and 70s. And boats like the Kennet, that's when they were taken out of service and... Can it went on to maintenance, and of course it's now come back into the heritage field. It's like well, it's a floating museum, I suppose. It is in, inside. We've got displays, and we've got the traditional boatman's cabin, which if you'd like to have a look. Yes, yeah. There is an act to getting into this boat because it's a vertical ladder. Yes. Down yes. through a hatch. So, left foot on the side of the hatchway. Hold yes. on to the. Where's the ladder? There we go. Right foot just ah, feeling my way down onto the first step yeah. of the ladder. I can't actually see where my feet are going. And then the other one. Okay, once you're on the ladder, that's not so bad. And down the ladder. Is this the original wood panelling from the boat? The boat was rebuilt in the 1980s by British Waterways as a sort of heritage and promotional boat. 
three years ago that the Canal Society, we, we got in touch with British Waterways because we knew it was just, sta- Ken, it was just standing idle and we offered to sort of take it out to events, which we did for a couple of years and recently British Waterways are getting rid of all their heritage boats and so we've now leased Kennet. And the Kennet is moored here at Skipton because of the restrictions that are on the waterway, because of the closure? Yeah, at the moment we can't get back to our home base, which is Greenberfield, the top of Greenberfield Locks on the summit level. Has the canal ever been closed like this before because of lack of water? In its history? It was closed fairly regularly, really, in terms of sort of the dry summers. But you, at that time, there were you know, vast numbers of boats using it, far more than today. Do you think the closure could have been avoided, Mike? I personally think so. I don't think the water was managed effectively at the start. But it is something that we need discussion on. It's very easy to say that. There have been other things, you know, leakage. And, of course, what's happened is we've sold all lockkeepers' cottages, and that's really where the problems, I think, are coming from, that we've gone away from this idea of having people on the ground all the time. It's got to be managed from an office and people sent out in vans or whatever. You'll never run a canal or something like that. Not effectively. You, you can keep it going, yeah. But it does show that when you do get a problem, it soon magnifies. Having left Skipton, I've come about 10 miles in an easterly direction down the canal to this particular lock. This is Hurst Lock, and it's at Salt Air, which is really just on the edge of Bradford. And I've come here to board one of the the boats here. It's called the Lady Jane in her red and green livery. And Don Vine of the Yorkshire Wildlife Trust is with me. And Don, we are going to wait for what to happen at the lock. We've already opened up the gates for the lock. So we're, we're just about to go into the lock. So we'll be actually going up the lock to the next level and then up the canal for about a mile or so to where there's an aqueduct and there's some of my sites just around there. And your sites have to do with the otters. That's right, the otters on the river and on the canal. We'll climb on at the back end of the boat and then we go down into what you call the well, I think, isn't it? The, the bit so... That's right, yes. Through the cabin and then out into the well. just arrived now at uh, an area called Seven Arches which is an aqueduct that goes across the River Air. and for me this is quite a special spot because this is a great place for wildlife especially for my particular project which is the Otters Project. It's a mid-air river and otter project and the main thrust behind it is improving habitats and improving awareness and training up people to survey. This area here is an area of meadow that we're managing. What we've also done here is to improve the the habitat for otters as well in this area by installing otter halts in this whole area. And what do you build them out of? Variety of materials. We've actually just come across a a fairly new one, well new to us anyway, over the past 12 months. And this is um, made out of recycled plastic. And it's basically a, a flat pack otter halt. This is the IKEA version of an otter halt. What I suggest is we actually bob underneath one of these arches here and go to the other side and that's where we might find otter tracks Ooh, we're just at the mouth of this arch I don't, I don't really like this because it's squat and dark and there's quite a rank smell we've actually found tracks 
otter tracks underneath that's these arches as well. You're looking at something that's slightly like a dog track, oh. but the, the giveaway is the little pinky at the end. It's five toes as opposed to four. And also the otter spreads slightly more. Right, I will take a quick look at that one. What's that? Do you think you've seen one? That's definitely something in there. Let's have a quick look. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's otter. Otter. By the looks of it. Yeah, you Paul can see. Mark. Yeah, that's right. So it has actually sunk quite deep into the sediment at the side of the This is very soft arch. mud here. Yes. And the big advantage with this, because no rain comes in here, there's nothing to wash it away. And that poor mark can stay there for a long period of time. Where are the otters now, though? Well, in this kind of area, what you probably find, if you just take a look across the river, you'll see lots of holes, uh, especially amongst the tree roots and so on. Further downstream here, there are all culverts and slabs that are laid across channels and so on. So they'll go in there. And hopefully, with fingers crossed, that are actually using our otter holes that we've put in. Um, it's wonderful to have these creatures in your river, which is a natural place for them, but for them also to be able to use the canal, that man-made structure that was built there, you know, all those years yep. ago and is, you know, is still used by us today. And this otter is taking the best of both of the places. You cannot have a visit to the Leeds-Liverpool Canal without coming to the Five Rise Locks at yeah. Bingley. You can't, can you? And I'm here with John Fairweather. You work as a, a team leader now of uh, along the canal leader, of um, lock keepers, is that right? Yes. So we're looking at this lock. It's like a stairway going up the hill. It is. Of locks and water and a lock and water and lock and water. It, it is a fantastic piece of engineering. And we're looking at it now, uh, the white and black painted beams, the great gates. There's a queue of boats behind us waiting to go up. Yes. Which makes me think, you know, how on earth does this work? If you think of each chamber as a big bath and one's overhanging the other, to get a boat up, you would have the bottom bath empty, i.e. at canal level, and the other four baths full. Okay. So the bath above the empty one, the lower one, you just pull the plug and empty the water from that bath (laughs) into the bath below. The boat goes up. And ready to get into the next yes, upper level. And you just repeat the operation again till it gets to the top. It's so clever. It's so simple, but so clever. What height is it going from at canal level up to the top? We tell everybody it's 60 foot, but in actual fact it's only 59 foot 2 inches. <laughs> well, we won't quibble about the last little bit. And it's beautiful to look at. Um, now, and there's a boat now coming out. It has made its way down great, all the different yeah. stages. How long yeah. does it take... It to come down? Um, on average, it takes a boat about 30 minutes to come down and about 40 minutes to go up. Mm. It takes more water to get boats up over than it does to bring them down over. And how many of the narrow boats do you see going up and down? It varies on a daily basis. I suppose the average would be 15 a day. Lately, we've been getting up to 30, some days 35 boats a day. And on a piece of engineering like the Five Rise Locks, that obviously you know, could be a bit of concern, really. The whole of the Leeds-Liverpool Canal is a A2-listed structure, so we're governed by heritage concerns and whatnot, and we have to replace like for like. And you've a, a good awareness of what a lock is about, because you were a lock keeper yourself. I was for my sins, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
On this canal? On this canal I started off, as most people do with the waterways, the seasonal lock keeper. Is it a special place to be, John? You know, being a lock keeper, those years of experience and now working with other lock keepers. I don't believe there's another job like it in the country to be honest. And this whole canal system that we've been looking at, you know, and, and the fact that there is this closed off bit at the moment, and, and who knows when they'll be able to open the full length of this magnificent yeah. canal. But it's a fantastic concept, isn't it, that they created this waterway, and we still have it with us now. At the end of the day, it's a working museum. I can't really put it any other way. And it's part of our heritage. <laughs>